It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Lout Show. We're Talking Taipans. I'm Chris Pikey, co-host. Plenty to talk about once again, so let's not waste any time, Lous. Let's get straight into it. Alex Loudon, thanks for joining me. How do I find you on this fine evening? Mate, it's a, it's a stormy one here in Cairns. Mm. Um, you know, it, the, the rain has certainly set in. Is it the Taipans mm-hmm. rain settling in for the rest of the season <laughs> in the playoffs? Uh, only time will tell, but uh, very close. Oh, uh, I, The game didn't feel like a one-point game. It felt like the Taipans had it in no, control, it but it was just a little bit too close for comfort, I think, for uh, a lot of fans uh, in southeast Melbourne, Phoenix land, um, watching that game down there in Melbourne. So, uh, yeah, obviously a, a must-win game to snag one on the road and just give them a little bit of breathing space. This episode of the Bikey and Louds show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Mm, absolutely. You're referring to the 103-102 win over the southeast of Melbourne Phoenix at the the State Basketball Centre down there yeah. in Melbourne and improved the Taipans to 14 and 10, so they're getting ever so closer to, to locking in that, that finals berth. So we'll obviously dissect all of that mm. as we go along on this week's show, but it would be remiss of us not to start this show, and I think it's the, the talk of the not only the, the basketball world, oh. but... The, the sporting world and, and the whole world. The the the. I mean, it, it, I don't know how to put it into words, but the devastating loss of it doesn't seem. Kobe, it doesn't Kobe seem Bryan real. It doesn't seem real. It does doesn't. It? Like I mean, you you would have woken up as well, and all over social media, you know, death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, sources confirm. And you're like, nah, nah. This is one of those. Mm. You know, and you look again. You're like, bloody hell. And now ESPN's. You know, now everyone. Oh, and then the county confirms it. I'm like, what? It doesn't yeah. make sense because it just seems like the hell. You know, it's how does this happen? There's so much awareness around, you know, weather and, you know, high-grade helicopters and things and you just think it – and to lose such a massive star that's just – who was just starting to enjoy, you know, Mm. watching the games courtside with his daughter and and pumping millions into underprivileged kids and – just really starting to, you know, get in involved, um, you know, in life after playing and, and to have it cut short. And, man, it just doesn't seem real. No, it didn't. And there was just – the longer you – the more you heard about it, the more heartbreaking the story got. The, the fact that you see all of this vision and all, all you hear all of the ways that he was talking about, not only his 13-year-old daughter that, that did pass away as well, Gigi, but his other three daughters and just how much he loved his daughters and how much he – had dedicated his life to now providing them the best possible life. And the fact that Gigi was a basketball player and wanted to be a WNBA star, I think that was a bonus. I think no matter what she wanted to do, she might have wanted to be a scientist. And I think Kobe would have been just as supportive and by her side through that. But just to see that bond with a with a father and his kids, it just made it all that uh, more heartbreaking. And, and, and like you said, the fact that he was now getting to enjoy his life, he, w- he would have been the probably, along with Michael Jordan, I think the player who spent – his 20-year career putting the most pressure on himself. I don't think he would have let himself relax for a second while he was playing. No. But the last couple of years, it looked like he was getting to enjoy life. He was in a terrific place and he was doing so many, so much good things for so many people. And, and the fact that he was on his way to a basketball tournament with his daughter, with his team that he was he was coaching and a tournament held at his Mumba Academy at there's just so much about it that was just heartbreaking. Oh, and so many, um, you know, uplifting words. I mean, LeBron James saying, look, can we stop trying to compare eras, stop trying to compare yep. players, and let's let's stop, uh, you know, under-respecting greatness um, because he, he really was um, up there with, you know, he's at the top, you know, when you think about how amazing his career was. Um, you know, you, you, I think LeBron's words were, don't, got to stop under-appreciating greatness. And I just thought that, that, you know, it's totally rang yeah. uh, true. Um, you know, so so just the outpouring of of love for Kobe just oh, it, it just makes me you know almost mad in a sense that it's happened. Uh, yeah. know, I'm just mystified how it can happen. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it, it's starting to sink in a bit and it's just shocking that the whole basketball community and, you know, and it's and it was nine people on the helicopter. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, it's not just 
morning the loss of Kobe and his daughter. There was a baseball coach and his son and, and wife, I believe. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's that whole group that was on there. And to, to leave, you know, the wife that stood by his side through thick and thin um, yeah. with a seven-month-old now, like just starting yeah. to uh, – it's just so heart heart-wrenching. The fact that you're – well, both of us, we're getting close to that 41-year-old age bracket. You're, you've got daughters yourself. Does that make it hit home even more? For you, given your situation, oh, absolutely, and I think uh, I think I read something that was quite, um, you know, it was sort of a not a poem or anything, but they was the words were basically Kobe's greatest fears would have been realised that you know he was they were going down and he wasn't able to protect his daughter, you yeah. know, from wouldn't be able to survive the this this event this this you know in that moment his greatest fears would have been realised. I was just thought, oh, that's that's pretty tough to handle as well. I mean, the only silver lining is that he was he was there holding us saying look you know yeah. i'm dad's here you know like at least that kind of thing uh, perhaps a small amount of comfort you know but you know for them but it's just uh, such a huge huge tragedy and it would have been just the most gut-wrenching set of circumstances in that, those final mm. few seconds i'm not sure how to move on from it because it's just such a, a massive thing that's happened and because both of us have had such a big involvement with basketball throughout our whole lives it just seems to hit you that little bit harder and I think it's crept up on a lot of us how much it actually affects you as well so I'm not sure how to move on from it well, but the, the NBL we'll do our best. I think the NBL yeah. you know holding that 24 second um, uh, moment before the games coming up um, in, in recognition of, of Kobe and his uh, contribution to the game would be a nice touch um, yep. so and, and I believe that's happening in all the games is, is yes, it, that's, that's my understanding so you, you know a, a small tribute and, you, and obviously you see the Australian players that have played alongside Kobe pouring out mm. their tributes as well so certainly um, yeah just just a shocking point in 2020 just a bad start yeah, uh, yeah just incomprehensible is. but you know the the games will continue I think that LA Lakers and Clippers game postponed but it at some been, point yeah. you know that the games continue in in honor of you know pursuing great basketball it's something that Kobe would want is is you know the play yeah. to continue absolutely now speaking of daughters You've now got a daughter who just started high school. How did she handle her first day? Oh no, it was tears today, Pikey. Um, <laughs> the, the fear of the unknown, but but soon um, to to be settled in and, and finding new friends. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit uh, a bit tough this morning, but uh, all smiles by the end of the day. So all happy days here in Cairns. As the uh, I believe you have holidays still for another week over that way over school holidays. Yeah, still another I think week. we've still got one more week of holidays. Yep. The kids go back next week. Yeah, well, uh, kids back in school and certainly looking forward to the last home game, obviously, for the Taipans this mm. week. But uh, plenty of action going on uh, this this past round, Pikey. Uh, certainly keen Absolutely. to get stuck that's, in. Yeah, let's get into it. And we will have a very special interview as well. We'll let you know who that's with shortly and you, we'll also introduce that because that'll be something you don't want to miss. But let's get into the game down in Melbourne against the South East Melbourne Phoenix. When you go back to a, a venue that... Well, not so much the venue, but the same city against the same opponent where you had a where you lost a game that you should should have never lost. Do you, is that in the back of your mind when you do go back to play the same team in the same city again? There's a little bit of a, a, a voodoo curse that you sort of mm. you go, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, whoops, that was the sideline where we, oh, and that's the shot mm. that he took when he, oh. So I think, um, you know, they would have, I think they would have had their eyes on the prize more than anything and, um, you know, certainly didn't want to make the same mistakes twice. So if anything, learned the lesson the hard way. Interestingly, a similar situation occurred down the stretch ended in a five second violation call they still put Dane Pino on the sideline we still had a point guard inbound the ball and we got a five second call and a turnover nonetheless so marginally better improved in that we won by a point but Mm. still maybe uh, maybe one other step to take to avoid the situation totally (laughs) yeah it's a few times now the last two times it's happened with a bit of a fade out at least the Taipans have had on to win. There was the game against Brisbane at home and then this one against the Phoenix. But the fact that it's happened on an ongoing basis, are you taking the positives, the fact that the team's able to build up match-winning leads or 
do you need to find a way to execute better when the other team really puts the, the pressure on down the stretch? Well, I think the Taipans have, have exposed themselves a little bit from sidelines and inbounds play. We saw yeah. a couple of sideline plays even at home. You know, there's just a little bit of lax in terms of getting open. And then once that mm. player receives the ball, not sort of sensing a double team's coming or something. There was one on the, the baseline play at home last game. Uh, it, it came into to Mirko Jerek to then seem like an easy pass back to Machado, but then the double team just swallowed it up and they end up being yep. a turnover. So, like, it's happened multiple times. It's almost like, you know, enough's enough. Like, this, this inbound play has got to get sorted. Like, the baseline yep. play under pressure has to get sorted. And, and maybe it's a, a, a different play. They're starting to bring the bigs way forward um, rather mm. than being set back in the, you know, in the front court there. So um, they're, they're bringing the bigs way up into the back court, which they'll need to, and almost have a, you know, four on four in yep. the in the back court, which I think they need. They need options to pass in and then the, the point guard inbounding to swoop by. I mean, that's a baseline inbounds. I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, the late situation on the sideline needs to be addressed. Maybe you have your taller player inbound because they're putting the the seven foot guy on the inbound passer yeah. you know jumping uh doing the wacky waving inflatable flailing arm tube man defense on the <laughs> inbound and if you have a point guard on there it's almost too small but yeah you've, yeah. you've just got to have something really solid to to go to and they don't seem to have been able to find that just yet but they're going to need it they're going to need it up their sleeve pikey come playoff time because this is well, going to happen yeah, again the, opposi- the opposition knows it's a weakness now so they'll try to exploit it I understand why it's Machado taking the the passes because he's the best passer in the team and he's got the best vision in the team. But do they have to mix it up? Does somebody else have to step well, he, up to, he's anchored to take to the those spot. passes? He can't move. Yeah. He, you know, yeah. you're putting the smallest guy who's anchored to a pivot foot stuck on the ground. He can't move, and you're trying yeah. to make him make a, a pass over. You know, probably a seven foot five wingspan. So maybe, yeah. um, maybe it's just it's the the best passing big but you've got to have three options to the ball you've got to have you know if you're going to do a little curl play then you've got to have one to the corner one to the halfway and one running back straight to the ball so the guy on the inbounds you can fake to one of those two and the other the opposite way has got to be open somewhere so you either way you've got to have basically collision or a, a mashup of players and then all of a sudden three players present to the ball and maybe one option further back or a safety type pass over the top but either way you need three guys coming to the ball at the exact same time not one to the corner and then they close off that and then one to the middle then they close off that one to the halfway line uh, as an option and then the defense close off that you need to have all three coming at the same time so that the guy on the inbounds player um, can't guard all three options at the same time so three guys are making three solid leads uh, out of their out of their little play. Well, yeah, exactly. You can't shut them all down if you're the opposition, so that would make sense. Um, aside from that, I thought there was a lot to like about the performance, especially the first three quarters. And aside from the six turnovers, Scotty Machado was terrific again, 24 points, eight assists. DJ Newbel, if you just factor in the last, I think it's the last 15 or 16 games of the season, he's the, he's the leading scorer in the league and he had another 23 points. And if you factor in what he's doing defensively, he's he's having a remarkable season. Majuk Deng, he stepped up again 20, with 20 more points. I thought Nate Jawa, especially in the first half, was really important to, to set the tone and to, to be a presence inside. Cam Oliver, another double-double. I thought there was a lot to like about about how the team team performed. Look, um, so, some really good performances. I think Nate had a milestone game, uh, 150 yeah, NBL 150 games, games. Yep. and he was he was really steady against some really young bigs in like Dane Pino, Trist. Um, he was just having his way in the post one-on-one moves, and they weren't sending the double team. Um, on one of the buckets, you see Dane Pino go like, "Where's the double? Like, where's the you know?" So <laughs> Nate was Nate was solid. Now Scotty Machado, I, I was thinking about this today, Pikey. He's he's played so well. Right, he's averaging what sixteen and eight, sixteen points, eight assists. Now, if I said to you, Scotty Machado was only scoring fifteen points and seven assists, you'd you'd say they're pretty good numbers, right? Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. If if Scotty Machado scored one point less and averaged one assist less, the Taipans would have um, eleven games won, and they'd be in the logjam potentially. Potentially yeah, wow. seven. If if he didn't play as good as he is, as in if he's not sixteen points and eight assists a game, 
if he was only 15 points and seven assists, the Taipans are nothing more than last year, um, mm. third third off the bottom perhaps, or fighting in that log jam. Like this is how yeah. fine an edge it is to when we're saying the Taipans are next level this year. It's it's such a it's such a fine edge to, of of success and uh, you know and a nothing season. So so every bit Scotty Machado has been just exceptional uh and and helping you know the the taipans elevate to uh put themselves in a position to to be really strong in the playoffs so i mean it's such a it's it's an interesting one that i was just thinking about today i was like how many games are actually decided by you know if scotty wasn't as on top of everything as he is this year so he really is uh the difference maker. i mean yes i could say if dj newell didn't score four points a game then yes it's the same situation yeah. but I, I think it's to me, the, the the keystone with this whole Taipan success this year is Machado, without a doubt. Hence, his sort of second sort of place in the bookies in terms of MB, MVP yeah. vote. But it really is quite a unique uh, skill set that he's brought to the to the team this year. And uh, yeah, another great performance. Six turnovers. You'd probably prefer that to be more two, <laughs> two yeah, or three sure. turnovers in that game. But you know, you just see he he control. He's just so solid. You just have so much confidence when you watch him play. You just are assured as a fan and as a teammate um, that you know it's going to be a solid, you know, a solid night's game and someone you can put your trust in. You mentioned DJ Newbill before, and I touched on how good of a job he's doing scoring before, and you can't you can't factor out how good he has been defensively as well. And I think he has to be the defensive player of the year right now as well. But how much better offensively has he been because of having Scotty Machado next to him? How how many points extra that he's scoring do you think you'd put down to to Scotty's influence next to him? It's hard to say. I think last year he was uh, hampered a little bit with a shoulder uh, complaint yep. that seemed to reoccur, and and you know he fought it off bravely in terms of training and games, but maybe it's had a bigger impact on last year's numbers than you know mm-hmm. you sort of uh, think so. Um, how much is I think Scotty Machado's play has really opened up the floor for DJ, but I yep. don't want to sit here and discredit DJ's ability to make his own moves because he certainly can. You know, he can he can create distance between his defender really well. Like he he's got the step back game. He's actually got a change of pace game, and yep. he's got the strength to spin off someone and create space as well for a little lazy right hand hook or a throwdown. He's been he's been elevating yeah, he a lot is. a lot easier off yeah. the one foot. So I think he's got himself in better shape so he's done himself a uh, due diligence and good service I think he's had the ability to uh, he's got a bit of sneaky sneakiness about him like he, he looks kind of a thicker set kind of dude maybe mm. not as quick but I think he's I think he's got some power in those cankles there his knees go down to yeah. his ankles you, you don't see much definition in the calves and I've, I've paid him <laughs> out about it his socks just go straight up and down there's no sort of definition there um, so I, I do jest a bit with that but I think what he's got is a uh, a real, real good nouse for um, he's just able to get his shot off. I mean, and that's the thing you, mm. you you get your shot off on different kinds of players. If it's a if it's a taller player, then you use your your strength, um, like your, your your muscle size, and you're able to you dislodge them to get your shot off. If it's someone smaller than you, then you you know you you take them to the rack or you you know you body up on them to to get that one quick step past them, and then you've put them in submission. Or you know you against the big you just you just toy with it you toy with the bigs and a little fake here a little hezzy little step back and you've created a, a three ball for yourself so I've seen I've seen the full kitchen sink of DJ moves and he's he's just finished at such a high rate uh, how much yep. of it is Scotty I think at least uh, the six points to four to six points a game has especially earlier on in the season has set up his confidence and I think he's run with it so you know he's taken over into a new frame of mind and a scoring frame of mind that you know I think from about well pretty early on we, he set mm. in for 20 a game like it, yep. it just jumped really quick and I think uh, you know it's a it was greatly helped by Scotty Machado particularly at the start or, or as well as not, not only just receiving a pass from Scotty but Scotty drawing all the attention um, and you know DJ Newell being at the receiving end of a of some good passing play, so I think it's been a mix. A lot of uh, assists and open shots at the start of the season, but he he's grown in confidence and just taken over. You know what he's felt is rightfully uh, his his calling and and being a prolific scorer and a finisher down the stretch. That's the main thing I think. If I say mm. Scotty Machado is a pass first, you know team 
attacking player and then a uh, dynamic you know, score a second, then DJ Newbill's complete mindset is, I'm going to be a, an absolute scorer and a force. Yep. Not that he can't pass, he, he will make the extra pass, but, sure. but his mindset is really crystal clear. Yeah, and he did have seven assists in that game against the Phoenix too, so he can mm. do that job. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's remarkable how his scoring has coincided with the way the team has fluctuated this season. They started two and six, the Taipans, and at that point, New- DJ was averaging 15 points a game. Mm. Ever since then, the team's been on fire. I think they've now won 12 of the last 16, and he's averaged about 22 points in that time. So the it's Hawks, amazing how... The Hawks lost by one point down there. I think he had 27. Mm. I think he exploded yep. that game only to come up, for the team to come up short. But yep. from, from that moment, because he had a massive fourth quarter, and I think mm. the, 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 right. the things kind of clicked into place roughly around then, and then the next game was against the Wildcats, who they demolished. So um, right. it was right around that early stage uh, which yeah. is really interesting but yeah you're right 15 a game to start the season it's not going to get it done 25 a game now you're talking like now now yeah. there's some runs on the board you know now one more thing and then we'll we'll move on Court Noy I'm surprised we still haven't seen him it's obviously a more serious ankle injury than anybody thought when he first did it because I think it was back in the middle of December when he first went down hurt do you expect to see him back soon I've just got some queries around it. I'm I'm wondering whether they're trying to protect his averages, and I don't mean the coaching staff. I mean, and it's not taking this <laughs> well, the wrong. Well, perhaps it, similar it, to Lamar Ball and Hampton. Think, yeah, I think you go. I think there's a maybe a, a thought going on here that if he comes back and it's half baked, then his numbers will only be half baked and his averages come down, which ruins you know any kind of further hope to keep the numbers solid for going into the NBA draft. I don't know if that's exactly the case, but that could possibly be one thing. The other thing is it might not not only be a an ankle you know strain or whatever, it could be a quite a high ankle sort of strain or, or further up the calf as well, like or yeah. a secondary tightness that's come about. Come Coming back to training or something like that. So it's either something that's happened secondary that they've really had to rest up a second time for, or it's the first one where you know you've got you've averaged eleven point something points a game as a rookie. Do you jeopardise those numbers by coming back and and trying to you know work your way in with minimal minutes until you get healthy again? Like I don't know which way it's sort of gone, but it, I mean either way. Every game that you're out now, it takes another and it's sort of an extra game to find your groove. So at yeah. some point, you're gonna have to maybe tough out a few minutes to get your groove back in time for the playoffs. Otherwise, it's gonna be too late. I mean, it's an interesting I'm, one. I'm his sure numbers are good, every- like you said. Yeah, his numbers are good. Eleven point four points, six point eight rebounds a game. So maybe if they fall down, then suddenly he's not as attractive for an NBA draft point of view. But in terms of this season at the Taipans, we've only got four games now to go in the regular season. Then we've got the fever break, and he is part of that boomer squad, but you would have to think it's unlikely he'll end up making that final 12 given he hasn't played much now. Mm. But how much of the, how, how many of these next four games does he need to try to play in to make sure you can get something out of him come playoff time? There's two ways to go. If the Taipans feel they only need one more win to lock away playoffs, then maybe you don't take the chance. Maybe, you, maybe you'd buy another couple of weeks and say, hey, mate, look, you got to get this thing right, otherwise, you know, good to us in the playoffs. We're on half a mm-hmm. league. Like we need the full, we need the full force. Kuat Noi, like frisky and foot loose on the court, going going after loose balls and, and giving us extra possessions. Maybe that's the maybe that's the thinking now. Um, if they they got to like their chances at home with a Lamelo Ball less Hawks. Not to not to underestimate the, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. the voodoo team for the the bogey <laughs> team for the the Taipans in. 2020, perhaps a team that's cost them first place. If you yeah, think about the three games, yeah. I mean, three wins would have that they're on top of the ladder right now. If they win yeah. against the the bottom side at the start of the the season, um, so. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe they they like their chances to close out one extra win. That that puts them at fifteen wins. I, I think I'd be I'd be feeling better if it was sixteen wins. So mm-hmm. they'd have to. For me, I'd I'd like them to see them win the home game and then one more on the road. But it might not need be the case. Uh, my original numbers was obviously sixteen wins get you in a logjam. It looks like it's going to be less. It looks like it's going to be that fourteen win mark gets you in a logjam or fifteen win yeah. mark, which is fourteen is going five hundred for the year. So. It's yep. uh, quite an interesting unfolding of events, I think, for those those teams sort of uh, caught in that that sort of bubble. Yeah, it's fascinating. The the most that the fifth place team could finish on is fifteen wins right now, and and that's probably unlikely. So you would expect they're going to be, whoever finishes fifth is, fifth is probably going to be on on fourteen wins. So let's take a look at that quickly, and then we'll get to our interview for this week. So I 
to me, I think the top four set. I don't see it changing from here, but I'll get your thoughts shortly. So I've got the Sydney Kings on top at 18 and 7, and you've got the Perth Wildcats 16 and 8, and I think they're, they're battling over, over top spot. They play this weekend, which could end up deciding that top spot. And then I think Cairns at 14 and 10, they probably need one more win out of the last four to make sure of it. I think two more wins probably make sure of third spot. And then you've got Brisbane at 13 and 11, having won five straight, and they're... They're two games clear of Melbourne, who are 11 and 12, New Zealand 11 and 13, Adelaide 11 and 13, and then you've got the Phoenix and the Hawks who are are out of it. So right now we've got the top four teams all on winning streaks. We've got the bottom five all on losing streaks. I I can't see it changing over the last three weeks. What do, what do you think? Melbourne United just didn't look great at all against Sydney King. No, what, five assists for the game versus, you know, <laughs> yeah. Sydney had like, six, like 16 or 18 or something assists. Like, you just, it's just not winning hoops. They were just sort of one, whoever caught the ball over halfway was going for their, their little one-on-one move and launching. It was just, it was probably kind of painful to watch a bit, I think, with yeah. the way United were playing. So, I don't, I, I'm with you, Pikey. I don't see them closing out this season in any kind of uh, positive fashion, I think. Adelaide uh, really needed to win that game at home. Yeah, they, they Brisbane. They had to beat Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they, you know, if they were going to be any chance, they would have had to hold fort and um, get the job done in their uh, nice stadium there in Adelaide. Mm. So if they, if they, you know, they didn't turn up to the convention center here the other game, no, uh, they, they obviously no. didn't get it done down there. So I, I agree. I think you know Adelaide. Adelaide toast, um, you know, DJ and Randall are happy for their contracts, you know, based mm. on how they play, but it's, you know, the, the team's not going to improve from here. So, yeah, it really no. is, I guess, that bottom that bottom sort of five was a battle of who wanted it less and, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's sort of washed up that way. So, and credit to, to Brisbane and credit to Taipans for being on the, the move the way they are and I, I think that's uh, pretty much it. I think the breakers are the best of that bunch, and Sorry, they're playing really and good and basketball right now. I didn't include, and I th- yeah, the, I think yeah, the breakers are the, the only X factor here. Yeah, they probably just don't have enough time now. They've only got four games left, and they're they're on eleven wins. So the best they can do is get to fifteen. So I think that's going to make it tough for them. But gee, if they snuck in, that'd be dangerous because they're if, playing if playing Scotty really well. Hobson was healthy that whole season. Totally yep. different story, isn't yep. it? Like it's just yep. um, I don't know what to make of it because you got Dan Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Shamir, or how do you yep. say? Yeah, no, no, you got it. Shamir, European sort of style coach. Uh, I guess he's just trying to find his way earlier on in the season. Mm. It was a very short preseason, uh, getting the guys together and having that injury of Hobson um, and having to replace with, you know, whatever was available. And, and yeah. Rice, you know, brought in the, the circus that he brought in mm. with, with his behavior. So I sort of, I kind of feel for the coach a bit because now with Hobson back and them rolling, like he looks like a, a you know, a great coach. Like they, they're on, yep. a, they're on fire and they're playing well. So you go, well, that's that's great coaching. Like they're they're back, you know, and they've mm-hmm. just it might be a little bit too little, too late. But uh, it just, yeah, it just it's a bizarre one. And it just, I, th- I just think what could have been if uh, Hobson, because uh, I I quite rate the way um, he he plays and he's, he's a tall yep. guard, uh, really yep. effective and really high elevation on his shot. So he's able to um, you know have his way with a lot of the guards in the in the league and getting his shot off. So I mean, all all their players have been. Playing Playing next level now. Uh, weeks he's been putting in big numbers. Yeah, um, you know, Robert Lo- Rob Lowe's had yeah. career career games. So yeah, can they can they catch Brisbane? Does Brisbane have to stumble a bit? What what has to happen here? No, Brisbane Brisbane will have to stumble. So Brisbane's on thirteen wins now. But they've got a few got, home games too. Well, they play and they play each other. So Brisbane's got Brisbane's got a tough run. They got Melbourne, New Zealand, Perth, and Cairns to finish with, but three of those are at home. But, you know, if New Zealand beats Brisbane in that when they play each other, then suddenly they only need to pick up one more game. And, and the Breakers have a – they've got a better run. They play the 36ers, the Hawks, and the Phoenix. So mm. if the Breakers win all four of those, they could still make it because they might – one of those is picking up a win over the Bullets. Mm. Mm. Well, so, I think maybe yeah. hold on to your hat for you know that fourth that fourth spot. I mean, I think uh, I think the Taipans are going to be strong to to finish third, uh, and I think that yeah, I think New Zealand could really push that that fourth place mm. um, down to the wire. Well, let's just finish on that because you haven't been willing to lock in the Taipans yet. Are they are they locked in just yet, or what do you what do you need to see still? 
I'm pretty confident of a you know a 14 point win against the Hawks and yep. a locking in of the third place for 15 wins and a bit of a free swing for the last three away games. Still, I think they're still going to play well on the road, but then but they've got their cards to play. Um, so those last three games away, you know, won't probably have much effect. But they still want to be playing good basketball. They just won't have to risk yeah. anything injury wise, health wise. If that little niggle with Cam Oliver in the in the Phoenix game uh looked like a little stinger he kind of came back but you know you have a, a flight a sleep and a flight you know the ankle can sort of blow off a bit so i'm sure it's being tended to and whether or not he needs to play big minutes against the hawks i don't think he will play many minutes which mm-hmm. would be a good opportunity for deng to to boost some more confidence and for chris levick to to do his um, thing and come in and also nate to nate can um, play minutes too, just yeah. uh, feast on some solid minutes uh, i think he would do him a, a world of good as well just to have a big meal uh, on the floor <laughs> and um yeah just get everyone sort of top up their confidence for the next few games. This episode of the Pikey and Louth Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Okay, let's move on because we've got a special guest on our show this week and he's a former teammate of yours and a former opponent of yours. He's, a, he's an NBL championship winner. Uh, he's still based in Cairns. Who can we look forward to? Mate, um, you know, nothing more bigger than his personality uh, than his uh, cankle. Um, so those, his cankle and his personality are on par. Very, very big, very big jovial player, great teammate. Uh, can't say uh, anything uh, bad about this guy. Matthew Burston uh, is the number 22. We won a state champs together back in old, good old under-18s, Pikey. So he's, uh, we've been around the traps together for many, many years and it's great to uh, catch up with him on all things hoops during the championship year that he had at South Dragons as well as life after basketball. All right, I'm here with Matthew Burston, L. Burstador. Uh, before we get into any questions, Matt, just a, a quick brief rundown. Matty's obviously played many teams, the Wildcats, Adelaide, South Dragons, Melbourne Tigers, Cairns, Taipans. He's also been playing in Qatar. Won a championship with the South Dragons back in the uh, 08-09 season. Uh, career 55% field goal percentage, if you please. Matt Burston, how are you today? That's all right, mate. Um, just uh, the championship with South Dragons. Uh, over, uh, it's eleven years ago now. Do you have some fond memories uh, of uh, of that year, as you would? Uh, but did you just have a a ten year reunion as such? What's the what's the kind of bonds that you've uh, forged within that championship year? Yeah, I mean that's definitely probably one of the highlights of my career. Obviously, winning the championship, but I suppose. From where we came from with the Dragons, like as a, you know, the club had just sort of started up two years before that, and we'd been, you know, bottom of the ladder, bottom of the ladder, and then obviously the, the powers to be sort of recruited Brian Gorgian, who was like a superstar coach, and managed to sort of get a pretty solid team together. And um, it's one of those things where just everything came together. We we obviously felt like we were the hardest working team sort of off the court, but then, and, and on the court, the training thing, uh, the training ground, but then just played hard, played for each other, and it was, pretty special moment to be a part of that and obviously winning the championship and, and sort of having that bond and that sort of connection you, you sort of forge memories and, and lifelong bonds with players like guys like sort of Nathan Hebert who people may or may not remember guys off, off the bench that were just fantastic you walk down the streets of Geelong and, and just say hey mate how you going and you know, remember that special time we accomplished this and um, yeah, so definitely we had a, a tenure reunion last year down in Melbourne. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. A few of the guys were overseas and couldn't fly back for it. But, you know, Joe Ingalls has gone on to much bigger and better things. And then go Superstar with, with the Utah Jazz yeah. came back. Yeah. They were a good, good bunch of guys getting together and, uh, yeah, sort of reliving that, that time, which was. Yeah, really special. So a few other players on that team as well. Uh, Adam Gibson, obviously, uh, clocking over 400 games now down at the Phoenix. Um, you know, there was a, a couple of imports I just want to touch on. So Tramel Darden, I, I remember not being like totally intimidated by his play during that year, but all of a sudden in that grand final series, he just <laughs> went off for 27 points one game. It's a, it's a bit of an X factor. I feel like those teams uh, chips fall into play but then there's also an X factor do you feel like he sort of played above uh, you know what he showed during the 
year? Absolutely. I mean, you definitely hear about sort of X factors and you know, come finals where the certain players can sort of step up. And yeah, the, the grand final season with the Tigers at Grand Final Series was, was a fantastic battle. Like we won at home, then they made some changes and adjustments. They won. It was really like a chess match with the, with the coaches and yeah. back and forth. Went to game five. It was pretty even at half time. We, you know, we were unsure how we we're going to go, and then come the third quarter, he came out with like twenty four or twenty seven points alone in that third quarter, and just basically put us on his, on his shoulders and won us the third championship game. So yeah, he was up and down throughout the season, but definitely had that that you know skill set and ability to to make those sort of plays. And then obviously from there, he found to again like Joe Ingles make bigger and better things, and went over to Euroleague. Played for some massive teams over in Europe, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, he's had a really sort of successful contract or career. And then another import we had was uh, Dante Smith, who was only in league for a year, unfortunately, but an ex NBA guy made a great career, forged a great career in China and Puerto Rico, and played all over the place. And did did you have a player get injured during the? Did he come in halfway during the year? Yeah, I think Cortez Grove sort of went down with an injury, unfortunately. So yep. he was a. Um, another great import in this league that, that did really well with the Illawarra back in the day or, or Wollongong um, and yeah he was a great player great guy on and off the court but unfortunately with his injury it sort of paved the way for, for Dante Smith to come in yeah. and, and um, yeah he definitely sort of helped pick things up and, and it was sort of went on to, I think we had a great it was like 27 and 3 record so definitely uh, finished on top of the ladder and, and sort of sell, set ourselves up in a great position to, to win the championship. So still with hurdles and injuries, you still sort of managed to find a way and, and put yourselves in a position to, you know, obviously take it out after coming, like as you said, bottom of the tables the year before. Is this, uh, do you sort of get the feeling with the, the Taipans, it could just be one of those years where it just all falls into place? Uh, could they actually get it done and and, and uh, achieve glory this year with this team? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was saying that to the other, someone the other day that, you know, it's not out of the realm that, that can happen. Like, we, we were sort of living proof that you can finish last and then, you know, go on to, to win a championship the following year. And these guys are fun to watch. They're great. The tight ends are, you know, they're playing for each other. They've obviously got the three imports that sort of built the team around and, and that are fantastic and playing playing bloody well but then they've also got the role players that are doing their job and everyone seems to be having fun and you know there's no, no selfishness people making an extra pass people actually sort of rotating on defence and helping the teammates out so yeah I definitely see a lot of similarities there and, and I can't see you know if they, if they play the way they're playing and they're capable of they could really take this, this you know, championship out this year. They've put themselves in a position. Now, just uh, before I sort of go on, I guess for those uh, listening in, um, Matt Burson was probably one of the most efficient uh, bigs in the in the NBL, and uh, he had the, had the best hands catching the catching those uh, wayward passes and make the guards <laughs> look good. But in comparison, uh, if I may, uh, Bogut finishes about fifty six percent around the around the uh, two point land. Cam Oliver fifty three percent. Nick K fifty one percent. Matt Burson's not not as as uh, high octane as uh, Cam Oliver, <laughs> so maybe might not be. Although there was a few, there was a few dunks there, Burst, which I do recall very vividly. I remember uh, a, a little uh, left hand off the right foot on top of Thomas Abercrombie, uh, who, who thought he was going to contest a burst and layup, and ended up getting uh, put into the poster. Do you, do, you re- do you recall a few highlights like that above the rim? There were very few and far between, so yeah, the, the one or two ones that did actually happen above the ring are definitely, definitely etched in the memory, so uh, yeah, I think I surprised myself that, that day, and uh, it's funny because kind of my son, my six-year-old, has got a photo of that on his wall, so I think he's pretty proud of that, that dunk as well, which, uh, yeah, I don't know, sometimes you... You're blessed, and sometimes you feel a bit more athletic and can jump a bit higher than you usually can. So, no, it was, uh, I don't know, with a 56% or whatever you were saying, the shooting percentage, I don't think I shot too many shots outside the keyway, so that definitely, definitely helps the, uh, the old percentage. And- oh. I feel. I, I think those those uh, those uh, efficiencies are just um, they're often not really respected as much when it comes to you know like uh, you know you've got the high flying energetic sort of naturally gifted athletes but uh, it goes unsung uh, hero sort of status kind of thing when uh, a player can be that good efficiency wise and just get the job done um, you know just the the blue collar kind of workers uh, they really do carry a team or a a core group of players into those finals 
Um, but, uh, Matty, what, what about if we talk a bit about uh, life after basketball? Um, if I may, you, you sort of started with a bit of the home business uh, and you've also um, involved in a, in a finance sort of corporate gig uh, and now you, you've uh, got another little career change. Can you walk me through just a little bit of that transitional period? Yeah, so when I was playing, I always sort of had a bit of a passion for numbers and had some, uh, one of my good friends, a bit of a mentor, who's a, a bit of a share trader, investor from home, sort of work for himself and, and build a business up from scratch. So in my later stage of my career, I took a bit more of an interest and, and actually sort of studied, a, you know, got a diploma in share trading investment, just so I sort of had the, the knowledge and the runs on the board and, and have done that on the side or, you know, being a bit of a sort of stay-at-home dad investor type thing, Initially, so that was a, a great sort of career change where I could sort of still have an active part in young kids. I had, you know, four year old and two year olds, I could be there for the pickups and drop offs and sort yeah. of help sort of raise the, the kids as well. So yeah. it's great for working from home, but it also has its, its negatives in that you really, it's pretty lonely lifestyle. You just sort of sitting in front of a computer all day, not really having that sort of interaction mm-hmm. with other adults. So yeah. I was keen for a bit of a, bit of a change and more have that on the sideline to do and, and, and see what other sort of career paths can be paved. And, uh, Actually had a, a great meeting with a guy, Steve O'Malley, who was involved with the Cairns Taipans for many years. I'm sure he's still on the board, actually. So, yeah. um, absolute legend. And then he is the GM of, uh, Experience Co, big sort of tourism coming up here in Cairns and pitched me an idea about sort of who they were keen on a, a business analyst role where yep. someone that can sort of really, you know, crunch the numbers and see what's working efficiently and what's not and what can be tweaked. And, and it definitely, um, you know, pay, it was great for my sort of skill set and that you know, I'm sort of numbers based that's the way my brain works and really loved that, that opportunity and that career and, and was doing that on the sideline. I was doing that, you know, wholeheartedly, but then also in the background, my wife encouraged me to, to sort of try out for aviation firefighter. They were, they were just opening recruits. So aviation firefighter, yeah, yep. Aviation yep. firefighter, so at the, at the each airport or the 26 sort of major airports, they were a sort of own fire station in case, you know, last resort, something, you know. Or plane gets redirected. Happen, the plane yep. gets crazy, yep. you got to go down, but they also not only do that, they're, they're sort of the first responders, medical emergencies at the airport and any sort of car crashes around the sort of one case restriction and right. yeah, so there's a lot more that, that happens and so in the end had this in the background and um kept sort of progressing through the interview process, the the aptitude test, the fitness test, all that sort of stuff and uh yeah I was fortunate enough to sort of land a position in career in that. So in the end decided look this is a too good an opportunity to, to turn down as far as, you know, work life balance goes. Yeah. Yep. Such a brilliant sort of lifestyle and so meant that it, you know, by accepting, I had to go down to Melbourne for a four-month recruitment course, which uh, was obviously a bit of a burden, a pretty tough on my wife and three young kids, but I uh, managed to get through that and now sort of living the dream. It's got a lot of similarities in that what, you know, what I miss about the basketball and that, you, you know, you're in a team environment, you've got the, the banter with the, the guys and in this case girls as well in, in the locker room and stuff like that. And, uh, so it's a, it's a really good sort of team environment, really good culture and a lot of fun. So I'm... Definitely happy to say that this is going to be me for the next 30 years. I'm happy to sort of have that as my sort of transition into in career. And yeah, a lot of people would never sort of leave the job. They don't, they, yeah, they sort of retire in it it's because it's such a good, great lifestyle. So yeah. That's sort of the way things have panned out for me. Absolutely. Girls and guys in the locker room, let's hit the showers. Um, <laughs> you're so... <laughs> Uh, separate show. Okay, so, no, no, no worries. Now, yeah, so last question, I guess I have a firefighter now. Um, I think you know where I'm going with this. The, the calendar burst. The, the, cal- <laughs> the calendar is when's that due out? Um, you know, is it a is it a financial calendar? Uh, is it a is it a year January to December? What, what, what do we expect? Well, most calendars do go January. So uh, I think I missed out this year, unfortunately. I've probably got a fair bit of work to go. So maybe 2025, you might see me in the calendar, but uh, definitely not anytime soon. But yeah, we'll see how we go. Matt Burston, thank you for chatting. No worries. Too easy, mate. 
thank you to Matt Burston once again. And uh, interesting, Pikey, there's some parallels there with South Dragons and uh, the Taipans there. Coming from seemingly, you know, non-year, nothing years the year before uh, into, you know, something special. So uh, it, it can happen as, as shown by Matty's team and uh, a, a good team that gets put together that just sort of ticks the boxes throughout the year. Uh, then they put themselves in a fantastic position to, you know, push for the championship. Yeah, I remember that season, that that horrible season. First of all, the Dragons. There was so much hope going into it. They they had spent spent up on a coach. I think it was Mark Price who came in as a coach, and by the end of it, he had Shane Hill as a as a player coach, and things just kept going from bad to worse. But all of a sudden, you bring in Brian Gorgian, you end up with a, a hell of a roster. You know, Joe Ingles, you know, showing us what, that he was going to become an NBA superstar. The inju- injury to, I think it was Cordes Groves, ended up being a blessing to get Dante Smith coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so you had, Joe, yeah, yeah. Joey, Joe Ingles to NBA, Dante Smith to upper level Europe. Tramel Darden yeah. even yep. gets a, a huge bump up and has been upper level uh, Europe for these uh, the remaining years since. Uh, Adam yeah. Gibson, a 400 gamer, as Mickey you... Vicona. Uh, yeah, well, I know Mika Vicona goes on for a three-peat uh, not, too, not too long after. But, yeah, those those teams where there's something special, um, I think there's some some pretty good players uh, on the rising sort of star sort of trajectory. So, um, yeah, it could, it, could, it could just very well be the case for the Taipans this year. Absolutely. All the signs are there for it to happen. The Taipans are, are putting themselves in a real in a real good position to have a crack at the title. Let's just hope that if they do succeed and and win the championship that they don't find a quick demise like the Dragons did as well. Yeah, no, it, do copy the dragons, but don't, <laughs> but don't copy what they did the year after and fold. No, um, no. So I, I don't think that'll be the case. There's, there's a lot better um, foundations in place. <laughs> um, so I'm, I've got no doubts about that. But uh, yeah, parallels, certainly they won't. <laughs> amazing parallels between you and Maddie as well. You, as you said, you both grew up in WA. You played under 18s together. You both played your early NBL careers at the Wildcats, and you both end up playing at the Taipans, ending up your careers at the Taipans and living in Cairns beyond your NBL careers too. Yeah, it's fun. It's obviously fun to have a, a teammate still uh, in the area. Usually, you know, players will often head back to their home cities or whatever. Um, you know, it's such a great spot up in Cairns that, you know, both of us, uh, you know, it's through our own uh, reasons decided to stay and, and keep the family uh, rooted into the, uh, the the local sort of schools and things. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just been cool to have someone close by. All right, now Friday night, Cairns Convention Centre. It's remarkable to think that this will be the last home game of the regular season for the Taipans, but they've won 10 of the 13 so far, so finishing at 11-3 and three at home would be terrific, but just getting that monkey off the back against the Hawks would be would be very nice. They've lost those three games already to them, and this time the mellow ball won't be there, but when you think about it, the Hawks have won five games this season and three of them are against Cairns. They can't afford to make it make it four on, on Friday night. No, and I don't think the Taipans will allow. They've fooled fool me once, you know, uh, fooled me twice. Three times is too much. The, mm. Enough's enough, and I think that the players will go, right, you know, th- this is not happening on our watch. If we're going to be any kind of uh, serious about post-season uh, play, um, you know, this is, a, this is an absolute no-brainer of a game to – to turn up at and absolutely go uh, go for broke and, and send a message. So I would expect nothing less than, like I said before, a 14-point win, mm-hmm. uh, if not sort of more. But um, it could come down to getting some guys who have played less minutes uh, a little bit more confident. But you know, I'm not going to write that off yet either. It's it's got to be it's got to be one from the from the get go. It's got to be all players switched on. Hawks are uh, are a dangerous team. They've got some good shooters they've got some you know really good really good sort of bigs as well so yeah, yeah. they've got to be you know tight ends are going to have to be on it but they're just going to have to be clinical for all four quarters there can't be a lap there can't be this casual cap sort of um, behavior where which does creep in from time to time if if the tight ends have sensed a bit of a, a lax game they, they sort of you know they'll 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 bust past someone and, and casually hold the ball on one hand and try and finish with a bit of a fancy mm. sort of flair but you, you've got to get two hands on the ball you've got to protect you know you shot as you go up you got to you know you got to just do all the little things and not try and make it too cutesy you've just got to finish the play properly and be sure of it because this is a this is a game where you need to put your foot down now for the first ever time the NBL is also celebrating an indigenous round right across the league this weekend and i get the feeling it means a little bit more in Cairns given there's a natural 
you know, pretty pretty strong um, Aboriginal heritage and population in the area. But it, you've also got Nate Jawai, who's very proud of his culture and right, rightfully so, and he's had a hand in designing the Taipan's uniform that they'll wear, which looks looks tremendous. If you get a chance to go and pick up a copy at the Taipan store or on game night on Friday, do so. Do you feel like it means a little bit more when you have a strong connection in your region to Indigenous people, but also a player on your team that is is Indigenous as well? Well, it's a, it's a fantastic initiative and long overdue, and yeah. um, r- you know, rightly backed by you know Paddy Mills uh, driving it last year as well. Yeah. But but just a great thing as well to have Nate, um, you know, really uh, you know leading the charge, I, I guess, in in terms of um, you know what this what this game means. You know, I, I will say this: when growing up in Perth, we didn't have many Indigenous at my school, for instance. Like it was very rare, like very low percentage mm. uh, Indigenous. Um, you know. At our school i'm i'm really excited in cairns that my kids can be at a school where there's approximately 40 percent 40 percent uh indigenous kids at the school and uh amongst other things you know obviously japanese chinese a lot of uh, a really good mix but all of um, my daughters and um my kids friends you know they've got indigenous friends they're you know it's just a normal thing like in perth i never got that as a kid Mm. um so it's really uh it's really exciting to be in a community that has such a diverse mix and uh, you definitely feel that in this region um, really well represented by you know indigenous and uh, Torres Strait Islander you know uh, people as well and it's a it's a great thing and and to have this this round uh, means so much for the the Cairns team and uh, you know and all the other clubs of course but just in particular our our region it really does mean a lot and I think it will be well supported at the game so yeah really looking forward to I love the jerseys they're they're great great design and, and they've all got you know a great story behind them. I'm keen to find out more about even um, you know the the other team stories as well for for their designs. So fantastic to to see the NBL get behind the Indigenous round and can't wait to uh, you know see all the the extra uh, visuals on on the screens mm. uh, around it. Absolutely, well said. This episode of the Bikey and Louds Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Okay, now we're expecting a 14 point win for the Taipans on. Friday night, which will pretty much guarantee a playoff spot. So let's hope that's what we get to see. Let's hope the Orange Army's out there in force. We want another crowd of 5,000 people there because this is the last time you'll see the team before the playoffs. But before we get into all of that, Lows, and and get into Friday night, what can you leave us with? Mate, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, We need the 5,000 strong in the stadium to bring the boys home and let's celebrate the end of uh, what has been a very exciting regular season but with a big eye on the prize of postseason play. But let's bring the boys home this Friday night for their last regular home game. (laughs) 